Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Well, don't use a ring light to do all your filming because it might bash you in the face and cut your eye. God, don't. Mate, my God. Well, before I ask you what happened, I've got to apologise because it seems like my neighbour is having some work next door. So you might hear a little bit of disruption. Anyway, honestly, how did that happen? It's quite scary. We've got these tall ring lights that we use for filming where we put the phone in. but And they're, they're really big. They're sort of like high. I mean, they're sort of six. Mine's about five foot eight or five foot nine in its height. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a massive, it's really heavy. Anyway, I yeah. went into like where I've, let's call it the dumping ground. And I no, I, no, I knocked it with my foot. Um, and so, and, but I didn't realize. And so I was bending down to pick up some shoes oh and God. it came crashing down on my face. Poor little Isla was downstairs. She was the only one in the house. And I was like, Isla, like it really knocked me because it hit, it clobbered me on the head as well. And then um, I was like, you help me. And I was like, get my phone. And then she was like, shall I call 999? I was like, no, 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 it's not an emergency. I just need a Spider-Man plaster. But like it pissed me blood for a bit. Anyway, it's just a bit swollen my eye. I was going to say, you sent me a very dramatic photo no, I on Saturday night. And you didn't explain yeah. what happened. So like all you sent me was a picture <laughs> of your bloody face. And I had quite a lot to drink. And I was literally like, shit. And I was like, has she been beaten up? Has she, what, like, what's happened to her? No, no. And then you like, just are went, you okay? Yeah. And then you're like, silence. I'm like, oh my God, she's dead. <laughs> she's gone you know what it's like when you've literally had it yeah. you've had a drink and like your mind can just go to all these but i was like well that's it she's gone well i got i got bashed by the ring light but i'm okay you'll be pleased here i'm okay how was your girls weekend away yeah it was really nice it was really really good you know what it's like when we, we, we're all school friends so we haven't seen each other for like quite a long time because we all live quite far away from each other we got to this beautiful apartment that we were staying in and um like sat there had a few drinks and then you know you're like oh i don't want to go anywhere can we just stay here and like continue chatting and that we're like chatting we're like oh my god it's dark like we haven't actually been anywhere we've just been sitting here that's so lovely though yeah it was it was really nice just to have that like chill time i mean we did we went out for dinner and did all sorts of stuff but like um it yeah it was just not like it just lovely to just mm. get away and like just 
chat really i mean i I think just chatting is the one thing that you never ever ever get to do when you have kids because you can't even have a private chat in the loo on the phone to a mate because you've got mummy mummy exactly at the door so just you're uh, up against time like you're like oh yeah okay yeah yeah i've got to go because i've got to get to this now or that and that was so lovely but it was funny because two of us have got well, no, three of us have got kids and then the other two haven't. We're just listening. And you know you don't want to be that person who's like, just you wait. But you know oh, when just you're listening, you wait, mums. Yeah, we, obviously we, we didn't do that. But we sat there, me and my friend Lucy, like, oh my God, they've got no idea. They've got no idea what's coming for them. They're, you know, talking about being busy and like overwhelmed with their life and all that kind of stuff. And we're just like, Oh my God, yeah. I would love to be as busy as you. <laughs> we also talk about the fact that you wore a face mask coming back on the flight. Oh my God, don't. What is wrong? You're so, can I, and I, like, I love our Liverpudlian <laughs> followers, but like that is a very Scouse thing to do, I think. Do you know what? I'm half Scouse. My dad is from Liverpool. It's in my blood. Like it's in my blood. I used to go around in rollers. Oh, yes. you know, this is just, this is just like the granny version of doing that, basically, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not getting ready for a night out. I'm getting ready for bed. I'm always very jealous of the of the scousers when I see them on the flights um, with their hair and rollers. Yeah. I, th- I think they're the smartest people on there because when they get there, yeah. all they need to do is have a quick shower and their yeah. hair's done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I spent, I, I used to do that every weekend. I'd be in rollers <laughs> for the whole of Saturday. Whole of Saturday. Sometimes I used to sleep in them as well. How the hell do you sleep in rollers? There's the squishy ones. Oh, I've never, se- I've never oh, seen Oh my them. goodness. Do- Oh my god! I think maybe I don't. I won't in- introduce you to them. Yeah, you need to. You'll never go back, and that will be it. Your sex life will be over forever. I've got to be honest <laughs> with you. I don't need anything to um, make my sex life be be over because I'm currently obviously I'm on my like um, spark aligner journey. So i.e. I'm having to wear braces, and as soon as I put them in, Dozer knows that there's going to be no hanky panky <laughs> maybe I need to stop saying hanky panky but people message me all the time being like yeah yeah great and all that but what's it like to snog with braces in it's mm. quite difficult I do yeah you've got loads of plastic in your mouth it's not the sexiest thing in the world listen I've got a mouse trap in my oh, mouth I know this is hilarious like so I mean it's fantastic because it basically means no blowjobs like none <laughs> can't can't do it for medical reasons. Also, you don't want to risk that as James, do you? Should we just see? Should we just... Oh, no. Oh, no. That hasn't worked out well. I think maybe if I was going to do it, I would have to make sure he got his willy trapped in the mouse traps, and then that would be done. And that gets me out of it for at least a year, I reckon. You have changed so much in the last four years. Remember when Georgia couldn't even say the word blowjob? Do you know what it is? I now record in my bedroom, so I think I feel like it's a safe space. <laughs> but it's not. But it's not. Knows. It's really not a safe space at all. Um, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. What are we going to do? Thank God what James doesn't do? listen to the podcast. Now, listen, we need to get into this chat today because I wasn't around for it, sadly. So you just no. took it solo. I did. How actually, was it? Yeah, I was going to say, it was, a, it was a bit of a different episode. You know, the Tuesday um, Tuesday's guests, we usually talk about, you know, parenthood and like lots of things. But this actually felt like a mix between a Tuesday episode and an expert episode because okay. actually our guest is a parent. Um, but when she became a parent, she then went on to study and she has like since written books about parenting and nice. you know, that, that's actually what she does. She works in schools. Yeah. She basically works with children and she How has, lovely. yeah, her, I mean, her first book is called, there's no such thing as naughty. And we did discuss 
that whole you know that whole subject and like why you know why kids act out we, we even we even talked about cry out the science behind that how this, interesting yeah it was because she's a broadcaster by tra- like she, I grew up watching her presenting the news yeah. I mean she was a serious broadcaster and a thoroughly lovely person I mean I've met today's guest a handful of times and she's always been an absolute delight but obviously you know coming from a news background to then completely flip that on your head and do something totally different and I love the fact that she did it after becoming a parent yeah so she was obviously kind of you know desperate to kind of delve into that into that area like why and how and what yeah no exactly and actually if you you know when you listen to the interview it, it was a little bit like she's interviewing me as, as well I fell in the hot seat too so like um yeah I mean I, I absolutely loved it it was really really interesting well I can't wait to listen along with everyone else Georgia who are you chatting to today today we are chatting to author child therapist and of course incredible broadcaster Kate Silverton how are you, Kate? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I, I literally walked in from walking the dog, dropping the kids off, doing the dog walk, and then sitting down with a coffee to speak to you, which is pretty much heaven. So thank oh, you. <laughs> that is so good. So you sound, sound like you've had like a busy morning, same as us. Um, I, I've got my little one off nursery today. So if she pops in or you hear a little sound, a little squeak that's not me, um, it will be GG. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's like. It just throws your week. Yep. Do you want to just give us a little bit of background? Obviously, we know you as a broadcaster, um, but that's not your only the only string to your bow, is it? You've been doing a little something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I've changed quite a bit, actually. So I've always had a real interest in child psychology. That was my degree. But it took me many, many years to um, fall pregnant. And when I did fall pregnant uh, and then was blessed with my children, I had then had this most amazing advice from all these incredible people that I'd interviewed in the past, like psychiatrists, neuroscientists and psychotherapists. And it just revolutionized my world in terms of how I saw my children and made life easier. And um, and sort of combined with that, which led to a book, but combined with that, I really wanted to, to kind of pull away from news really and go into much further into the academic work. And so whilst I, I did Strictly to raise awareness around children's mental health, but I thought I want to walk the walk and I want to become a child therapist. And so that is what I've done. So I'm now... Um, uh, I have to call it it's officially I am still a senior trainee but I've uh, I've done my course uh, I'm graduating after I get my 100 hours and I'm actually working um, sort of volunteering to get my hours um, as a child therapist in a primary school and now a secondary school uh, two different schools in London so I'm actually in the room with children um, some of whom are in the care system so it's it's really proper work um, and I absolutely love it. So I've got this wonderful hat now where I'm, you know, as I say, working in as, as a counsellor for children and sitting alongside that is all the sort of the book work. So I'm eight, what I, my passion is really just sharing as much of this incredible knowledge that I've had shared with me that's made my life easier and I know has helped my children. It's helped me as a mother and my husband as a dad. So really the passion now is just to talk to as many people about it as possible because it just makes life easier once we get it. Yeah. What prompted you to make the change? You said it was when you became a parent, but what like was there a particular kind of moment or turning point when you thought, mm, I, I know I need to know more about what's going on here? I think it's probably for 
long, long time. Um, I have my own psychotherapy. So I think anyone that's done their own work will understand when you suddenly see the world in a quite a different light. Um, I always describe it as seeing it in technicolor as opposed to black and white. You kind of go, ah, right, this is how life is supposed to be. So that was a big revelation for me, sort of doing that work um, on myself. And then, as I say, really then becoming a mom and having had the benefit of that and able to parent in a way that was calmer, compassionate, and and really understanding things from that neuroscience perspective, which again, really excites me. I'm quite nerdy about the neuroscience. And because of the journalism, I'd had access to these incredible people like uh, Dr. Bruce Perry in the United States and Dr. Gabor Mate that people might know and people like Margot Sunderland, lots of different people that um, are doing amazing work with children. And I was like, and, but they talk in quiet long sentences and big words, you know, the cerebellum and the hippocampus. And you think, listen, if you're a time poor parent, you, you just want to know, tell me now and how. And so I just wanted to distill all of their language and all of their knowledge into something quite simple for other parents. So it was when that light bulb went on for me, when yeah. they were talking to me and I was like, oh, but what you're really saying is that a tantrum is not a child being naughty it's actually a stress response. They can't help it. And then you wow. go, oh my gosh, that makes me see my kids in a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah. And then I behave in a different way. So then I guess what you do is you've taken all like the science, the information, and then kind of processed it and, and made it into a, a format and a language that all parents can understand. Yeah. Amazing. I, yeah. Genius. Because thank you, it hurt my brain doing it actually. Because I sort of said that how, but I had a challenge from. I, I've worked with the charity, the Anna Freud Center, for many many years, and um, working with a lot of parents there who get helped by the therapists at the Anna Freud Center. And one mum, she sort of wagged her finger at me and she said, "Listen, we get it now because we've had this information shared with us. But you have to remember, you know, we are time poor. We've got grandparents who still see children as." naughty um mm. you know you've got to help us so you need to convey the science but in a way that an eight-year-old would understand and she really gave me that challenge so I always had that in my head because we are time poor we haven't got time to sit and read you know what I was doing 3 a.m in the morning reading sort of university papers and what have you so yeah that was the challenge so I'm delighted that I kind of got there yeah wow and so you mentioned something that actually just stuck in my head parenting in a, like a calmer way being a calmer parent and I think that is something that so many of us aspire to do and I'm actually that's probably one of the things that I kind of back myself as a parent I am pretty calm like I am quite I'm a quite a calm human in general but I'd say the time that I am tested is with a toddler that that if I'm going to be tested it will be with a toddler so I'm really excited to find out how we can become calmer parents <laughs> and I'm sure you would need longer than just one podcast episode to tell us how to do that but maybe you could give us a little insight into you know some of the most interesting things that can help us yeah God, I'd love to. well first of all can I ask you then so what can you give me a particular challenge or thing where you really are tested where you think okay I just so for instance this week okay this is a good example because I've had both children off school at different times um I work for myself um I do like I've got a quite a few things going on and so when they go to school that's the time that I can really get my work done and this week I'm going away with my friends at the weekend so I've got that to look forward to but again it's something else to think about Christmas is around the corner I've got lots of things going on in my brain and so then 
when that gets thrown off and I've got kids at home and I'm trying to send emails and I've got one talking at me and talking at me and talking at me and then I've got the dinner on and then I've got something that for me is the they're probably not even doing anything they're just talking 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 the non-stop talking that is my like trigger and tipping point where I just can't I can't keep my cool anymore yeah um so yeah that that's for me and and actually and I hear you and I almost I can feel that you know that overwhelm because <laughs> we all we all get that where I'm sort of even holding my chest as we speak because it is just that sense of oh and if you think of it like a thermometer gauge you're adding in you know you've already got the weekend the dinner the this the that and then you've got, oh my goodness, and I was expecting to have all this time to myself and I'd allow myself the time for all my emails and everything and bingo, something happens that you can't, it's, it's beyond off. your control. And that is often enough just to tip us over into that overwhelm. So, you know, a brilliant example of what many of us will experience. I feel the anxiety for you. <laughs> um, so actually in that situation, we think, well, why would we not be stressed, mm. right? And then it becomes, well, it's it's not actually my children's behavior necessarily. I mean, I get you because if we've got our head is already full and it's that beep, 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 mosquito mm. kind of. Beep, beep, Can I show coming. you this? Yeah. Can I show you this? Have no. you seen this? Can I have a drink? Can I have a drink? <laughs> oh no! Can I have a drink? And I think, oh my gosh, you've said that six times in yeah. the last minute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. So first of all, is that compassion for thinking to ourselves, well. I am on overwhelm and something's gone beyond my control and actually it's not my children's fault and it's really not my fault. So starting from a position of compassion for where we're at, that this is hard. At this moment in time, it's really hard because, and I think that sometimes gives us permission to go, it's okay sometimes. It's, you know, if we're losing our rag every single day, if we're getting irritable every single day, we want to sort of sit with that and look at that and unpick it. When we've got different situations in a particular week, We'd be robots if we didn't feel mm. overwhelmed and snappy. So that's just the first thing is to start with that compassion for ourselves. We are not perfect and our children don't need us to be perfect. So is to not beat ourselves up when we get it wrong, because we will. I do, you do, we all do. There are times when I'm holding my knuckles are white as I'm gripping the sink as I'm hearing them behind oh. me bickering over who's going to get the last wee to be. And in your head, you're kind of there's a there's an F word going on and you can't say it because you're just so I get it. So okay, in those moments, how do we find that calm, that inner calm? Well, one, it's really, really hard. Two, take a breath. So I talk quite a lot about that sort of stop snot when our children are doing more than just even the mosquitoes sort of is, is actually if they're having a tantrum and you're in a stressful situation is just to remember stop. And I would say snot personal. So it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not about us at that moment in time. And our children are so egocentric. And I mean that in a way of the whole world is about them because they don't have the brain capacity to think, oh, well, mommy's actually quite on overwhelm right now because, you know, the emails and the holiday and the this and the that and she didn't know I was going to be poorly or whatever so she hasn't got any concept of that uh, it's just like I want a drink I want it now I talk a lot about how the their brain is driving their behavior in as much as I'm thirsty and I need it now it's kind of a survival thing well our brain is also on overwhelm and it's the part of our brain the, in the limbic system and the really ancient part of our brain that is beyond our cognitive control so we can think things through and think, oh, well, it's this, it's that, the dinner's this, but your brain is full. So we go into more of a survival mode, which means we are 
easily triggered, much more easily triggered. And we're much then more likely to snap. I call it the baboon and the lizard. And it's that more baboon behavior that we might recognize, you know, kind of rather than, oh, darling, okay, just give me two minutes and I'll be with you. We can't do that because we're in this survival state of like, I've got to get all this done and I need to get away, you know, and your brain is literally driving that. And what I want parents to really understand is that all of that is not just going on in your head. It's triggering a stress response in your body as well. So you will physically, that baboon, as I as I call him, will be running up inside your brain. We're imagining, obviously, there's no baboon in your brain, but this is the limbic system that I'm talking about, pressing this thing called the amygdala, which is our fear center, because it's like, this is really quite hard right now and I'm not enjoying it and it's a bit overwhelming. That sends a cascade of stress, the cortisol levels and the adrenaline flooding through the body. And in that moment, it's really hard to then act in a calm way. I'd say Mm. it's probably nigh on impossible. But Mm. here's the thing. When we can understand that and think, okay, I've got a lot going on right now. So I'm going to be kind to myself. I'm not a terrible mom. I'm not a terrible dad. I'm just overwhelmed. What can I do to calm myself down? And actually, everybody will have many different ways of sort of calming themselves down, but a deep breath. And I know sometimes you kind of, it's really hard to think about the simple things when we are in overwhelm, but just that cognitive thought of, right, this is me now. I feel stressed in my body. That means I'm not going to get, you know, the drink thing is going to tip me over. Taking a breath, remembering it's not personal. It's not their fault. They're not being naughty. We are just in a situation of overwhelm and doing whatever you can in that moment to A, forgive yourself if you do snap, but also just to, even if you sort of walk away take a deep breath and just think the emails can wait the dinner. I'm going to get the saucepan out. I'm going to get down at her level. I'm going to address her needs because she has a need right now. She's telling me she needs something, probably my attention as much as the drink because she's sensing that I'm not Mm. quite present. And actually, if I give that to her, it probably will take maybe five minutes because actually they, sometimes our kids, they just need to sort of connect with us to know that we're there to connect And then she'll be off and she'll be doing what she needs to do. uh, Very often when our children are being, I'm going to use the word annoying because it's our perception that they're being annoying, right? They don't know they're being annoying. But what she's probably saying to you in that moment is actually, I can sense that you're not quite present with me. So I'm going to get your attention in the only way that I know how. I need a drink. I need a drink. Oh, can you come and look at this? Can you do this? But by giving them that five minutes And actually, we often think, oh, God, it's going to take an hour. She wants me to play with the dolls. Oh, God, I can't do that. It's going to take. Actually, it doesn't. Five, ten minutes tops her up. She gets Mm. mummy for that that perfect sort of ten minutes, put the saucepan on the side, stop the emails coming in, get down, play. Ten minutes, I guarantee it'd be ten minutes tops, fills her cup up. Actually, your cup then goes up because it's quite nice when we do get down and just switch everything off. Then you can get back to doing what you need to do. And I totally appreciate that life is not perfect and we're not going to get it right all the time. But if we can get it more right than not, then you get less of the, and you know, we get that balance that we're yearning for. No, I love that. And I think as well, like we're, I'm, well, I am, we, we are so conscious of not acting or showing stress in front of the kids because you don't want them to then feel it and then what does that do to them in the long run something I really wanted to talk about because I think there's a lot of chat on social media and amongst friends and I guess like 
differences in opinions um, is around leaving your children to cry out when they're really young. Um, and I, find, I found this really interesting because when I had Axel, my first, I, 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 you know, I didn't know what to do. He, he wouldn't sleep and he was crying a lot and all of that kind of stuff. So I obviously turned to look for like sleep training methods or ways that we could, you know, make life a bit easier. And one of the things I came across was, um, you, you know, they should sleep at this time and there's this, they must do this and then they must do that. And I found it really stressful. But one thing that I did take from it was like I could leave him to cry and then go in, reassure him I was okay, he was okay, come back out, leave him to cry some more, then go back. And and I I sort of, I found that method actually worked after, you know, maybe two or three nights, that was it. No, you know, that we didn't have the crying anymore. Um and then fast forward to my second and I could never have done that. I couldn't have I couldn't have done it the second time round. I why, just why not? I don't know. I think I don't know if it was because he felt like an alien in the beginning and I didn't feel like him I don't I not like I didn't feel like he was a person, but maybe. I felt a bit detached from the whole thing. It mm. was almost just like a right, this is what I must do. I'll follow these steps and this is where we'll get to. But second time round because I'd had Axel had grown up and I'd learned to, you know, I knew him and I knew his character and I knew all of these things. Then when I looked at my second child as a baby, I looked at her as a person a little bit more. And I was a little bit like, oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this to her. I don't think I can leave her to cry. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't do it the second time around and I found another way and actually she probably slept way better than he did in the end anyway. And what was the other way? It was just more, uh, I guess relaxed <laughs> just going following her uh yeah just following where she wanted to sleep oh oh look she looks a bit tired I'll put her down oh and uh, like I, I never talk about when she slept through the night because it was very early and I always I'm aware if you're listening to this it, 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 you can't follow follow what I did and expect that to happen it, it won't um it just happens when it happens doesn't it but she was amazing I couldn't believe it I was like Whoa! I'm just following her lead, <laughs> and well, it's you're all following your instinct. Yeah, and it's all worked. But yeah. I found it really interesting, like listening to you talk about what goes on when you leave a baby to cry. Um, and I just want—I just wanted to hear you know you talk about that and explain it because I think we don't necessarily always think of those newborn babies as people. Um, we think of them as like just things that we have to keep alive so yeah thank you you know you've raised and and really articulated something so beautifully so thank you so much for sharing that because I think that will really help a lot of parents I so where to begin well the first thing is yes whenever with our first children we don't know what we're doing do Mm. we and so I think so a point that I make a lot is that we did not always parent in this way and when I say this way I mean in isolation because very there are fewer of us who are lucky enough to have parents close by even fewer of us who are lucky enough to have a whole community of aunts uncles grandparents cousins and we never used to live like that we used to live in in you know humans are social beings and so we would have all lived in a community where i would have had at least 19 others around me so that when i was pregnant it you know the the pregnant mother would have been 
revered and there would be, you know, do you want food? Do you want this? Do you want, and when the baby would be born, you know, people would be on hand. We don't have that now. So I think it's really important to set this conversation in context of parenting, I think today is so much more stressful because Mm -hmm. we are not buffered and helped by that traditional community. And it wasn't so long ago, even, you know, it's a lot, just where we would have had extended family. So just setting that in context. And what's tended to happen is that we have fallen on this sort of, oh, what does this book say? What does that book say? What, you know, what is, and, and I, and I think it has actually, you've, you've articulated it. It's, it's removed us from our natural instincts because Mm. we've then overridden them. And I say we, because I did it too. I did it too. And I think you asked me about why I did the work that I'm doing now. If I could pinpoint, I think it's because I, like you, felt that I was, you know, I didn't follow as many of my instincts as I Mm. should have done with my firstborn as I did with the second. And funny old thing, exactly the same about sleeping better and all the rest of it. Now, I can sit and say that to you, that's my opinion that, you know, that that I think with our firstborn, maybe we are a little bit more uptight because we're, we're sort of flying in the wind a bit. Like, you know, you'd think you know, my husband's a Royal Marine. He said, getting my green beret was easier than this. You know, why does no one tell you? Um, But what I would say, and this is why I was so passionate about my book being scientific and having absolute, uh, you know, endorsement from all these uh, leading um, children's mental health specialists and psychiatrists and neuroscientists, because what I wanted to do was look at brain development and our children, our baby's brains develop very few weeks after conception. That's when the brain starts developing. It's crazy to think about. So the brain inside in, you know, when we're carrying our our babies, they are picking up that brain development. Their brain is picking up on all sorts of signals around them. So if mum is stressed with high cortisol levels and all the stress and anxiety um, uh, hormones, you know, coursing around the body, that little brain is, is, and we're looking at this a lot more in terms of ADHD and lots of other things as well. But stress in pregnancy, suffice to say, is not great. It's not you know, it's not devastating because we've all had stressful pregnancies, I, I imagine, for one reason or another. So I'm not saying it's devastating, but I think we want to be aware of what, you know, how important pregnancy is in terms of brain development. When our babies are born, their little brain, again, they are little animals. And I think if we think about uh, a lion cub in the wild, would that mummy lion, uh, would she, the lioness, would she go and leave her babies uh, in the dark from a distance? Those cubs would be crying for her and mewing for her because, you know, ancient brains that they have, as we all have, would know that predators come out at night. Mm -hmm. And that's the same for our babies. They know they are less safe. I mean, when I say no, it's an unconscious, it's driven by this survival brain, this very ancient part of the brain that I call the lizard in the book. But that says, I'm not safe. And if I'm not safe, how do I convey that? If I'm not feeling safe, how do I convey that? I cry. That's the only form of communication that babies have. So if we ignore that form of communication, what message is that little brain taking on board? It's like, no one's coming. No one's coming. Now, it's, that's why it's so important to sort of you know, keep going in and do, doing the reassuring. Or as you and I did second time around, mm-hmm. you know, actually just you trust your instincts. And I know that's hard. And I think for first time parents, if they're listening to this, take on that community, take on as many people as you can who've had children 
and actually can then support you so that because it very often we're so exhausted. No wonder we want to turn to methods that are in inverted commas easier and mm. in inverted commas work. But really, what is it working? Who is it working for? It's working for the tired parent. It's not working, I'm afraid to say. And I did this too. So, you know, it's not working for that developing brain. Mm. Baby is not getting that comfort when they're crying out literally for it. They're not mm. getting the comfort that we are designed, this atavistic element of us, this ancient part of us that says, I need comforting right now. And I'm telling you in the only way that I know how, which is through crying. So I think it's that combination of, for, for you know, I've already said about parenting, I think, being more stressful today in modern society because we lack that community. Let's bring back more community so that we can support each other. Having conversations like this to say, please trust your instincts. If it feels right to take your baby in with you, if it feels right to swaddle, to bring them in, you know, sort of walking around. I talk about the hippo, uh, doing the hippo hug, <laughs> you know, anything that actually, and, um, and, and to soothe that ancient part of the brain, the lizard. And we do that by anything pattern repetitive and rhythmic. So jogging sort of, you know, sort of gentle standing on the spot. I'm doing it in my seat, but, you know, going up and down, just gently rocking all of those things, soothe the baby's brain. Oh, I'm safe. Mummy, daddy's got me. It's okay. I'm not going to get eaten by something out there in the, in the dark. And then I can go back to sleep. It takes time, but that connection that you form with your baby in those moments is the trust that they're going to have with you for the rest of their lives. So it is super super important we'll be right back after this short break hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? And I guess, like you say, like if if you kind of really do need to get them to set yourself set a little bit more and you, you there are kind of baby steps. They're like our little things you can do. Like I think when I when I was doing it with Axel, I would do let him cry for thirty seconds, and then I'd go in, and yeah. then it would be a minute, and then I'd go in, and then I guess it's probably not ideal. But like you say, if you haven't got that village around you, it, it it's kind of a middle ground maybe like yeah little... I think there's a difference isn't there between um and we have all these different terms and I think you've again expressed it beautifully in as much as you're not leaving your baby to cry and mm. cry and cry so he ends up giving up and going well no one's coming so what do I deduce from that you're going in to reassure in that moment so he sort of stress hormones come up oh my gosh I've just heard a noise and I don't have a big brain like mummy to to know that that was just the boiler coming on like my brain this baby brain this ancient brain he's like 
oh, what was that? So you're going in, you're reassuring, it's okay, mummy's here, mummy's here. And then you go and you come back. So yeah, that is a different form than I think what maybe has been um, sort of yeah. fashionable, let's say, in the past of just sort of just them. leaving them. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we know now that's that's really not what we want for, for babies. Yeah, and I guess like the long-term impact that has on someone and what they then grow up believing is true, you know, that no one comes when they need them, which is horrendous. Well, also because and an important point is to say that a lot of the time, and I've heard GPs say this, babies don't remember. Well, we now know that they do. They don't have a cognitive memory of things, but they have a sensory memory, memory in their bodies. So it's really important. All this stuff is super important because I think it empowers parents to sort of, yeah. you know, and if, if we're struggling is to then say, actually, this is so important. I need to ask for help. Mm. So I need a bit, you know, I, I think it empowers us to ask for help rather than struggling alone because we think this is not, it's too important for me. If I can't, if I'm so tired, I can't do something in this moment. If I'm a single parent, then I'm going to ask for help to see if I can, you know, get a bit more support. I was at yeah. a charity event last night actually for Homestart, which is a wonderful charity. And they do exactly that. They'll have volunteers go in once a week for parents who might be sort of refugees or solo parenting and just finding it tough. We all need that. If we haven't yeah. got relatives around, we need it. So ask, ask for support. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that, absolutely. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it, it can feel like, when we you know when you're really tired, you, you you just think, oh, I'm just in survival mode. I'm just going to do whatever I can to get through. And absolutely, like God, we've all been there. Like, um, well, you know, yeah. sometimes you just got to do what you've got to do. But sometimes the hardest thing to do is just to ask for help. Like yes. that's the, it, that's the hardest thing to admit for so many of us because we're used to being good at doing things, and then suddenly we've got a job that we didn't know how to do or we didn't yep. interview for um yeah and if we had done we probably wouldn't have passed because no one really talks about her heart my husband said why does nobody talk about that i said well perhaps if they did no one would do it you know no one agreed <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so there is that element that we have to be really honest and say do you know what and this is you know i'd like to share our mistakes and sort of say god i did this the first time around yeah. and i learned this just as you've done and i think that for first time parents they kind of go all right i'm going to remember that because if it feels in that moment um, of, of the overwhelm I can just remember what Georgia said about actually just relaxing um, and all will be well but and yeah taking, look yeah. and not expecting to be perfect and do not worry if you've you know I remember once I'd let Clements in I think I just can't go up there again and of course I did because it was just awful I couldn't bear listen to the crying and I went up and do you know what she had wind she had this massive burp and I thought if I'd have left her yeah. she would have been in pain. So there's these mm. things that you just think, I look back and I think I don't want any other parent to sort of go through that feeling of, you know, remorse of, um, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then obviously after the newborn stage, then we get toddlers and younger children. And I, fi I find the whole thing, the concept of there's no such thing as naughty, really interesting, like really, really interesting because I've got two children who have been brought up in the same way by the same parents and they are completely different and they react to things in different ways. And I think sometimes not you can label a child like, oh, okay, Gigi, my second one, I roll my eyes about her. Oh, she's the one that's going to give me trouble. <laughs> you know, like it's all that, like she's, oh, but there, I think, there's so much language that we use around being naughty or manipulative or, oh, they know what they're doing, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And 
so I, I'm just really interested to hear like where okay. I guess the, the, the science behind okay. why that's not true. They're yeah. not naughty. <laughs> I was sitting here grinning from ear to ear. Mm. This uh, Brilliant. So first of all, let's unpick it a bit. Our children, if you think about your children's experience, you've already given us one example of a different experience with your two. And I'd mm. say, and again, if we say that all of us are going to, I let, well, I'll talk about me. Let's take it on me. I made, and I will have this conversation with my daughter when she's older. I will, I will guarantee I made more mistakes with my firstborn than my second. Okay. Yeah. Let's just get that on the table. So I look at that and I think I've got more repairing to do with my firstborn than my second. So they don't have a similar experience in that regard because I was a different parent, as you say, probably more relaxed second time around. I knew more then. Uh, so that's, they don't have that experience. And secondly, the firstborn has you all to themselves. How amazing mm. is that? Second one comes along and there's this really annoying other thing that is around that is all taking up mummy's time. And also the firstborn looks at the newborn coming in and thinks, who the heck is that? So, you know, I give the example of if if your partner came home, or I talk about my husband and I sort of write this scenario where my husband comes home with another woman and everyone's going, oh, isn't she beautiful? Oh, let's give her some gifts. And I'm standing there going, what the heck? Like, what is going on? And I'm saying, me? yeah. And 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 this woman's come to stay and she, and he's like, isn't she beautiful? And he's got his arm around her waist. And, you know, it was, it was hideous to write actually, but I do it as a way of kind of explaining that is how our children feel when this newborn comes home and everyone's fussing and they're like, hang on a moment what is, is are they staying and so parents say well why is there sibling rivalry You're like well why isn't there sibling rivalry okay mm. so so that's the first thing is that our children will all have a different experience so they will all have different personalities and and they'll have different personalities generally anyway we all do we're all individuals so that's the first thing to say now in terms of naughty what really sent me into a great fizz and thought i've got to write this book was because when i understood. So I've already talked about this little lizard brain, as I call it, which is a really ancient part of the brain. And all that does is keep us alive. So that's what keeps your baby alive in the womb. It's all the temperature regulation, breathing, you know, eating, so on. Um, when your baby's born, it's still driven by that really ancient part of the brain. Its only job is to keep your baby alive. And it will cry when your baby's hungry, cry when they're thirsty, too cold, too hot, whatever. It doesn't think, it doesn't have the capacity to think. It is purely a survival thing and it acts in a split split second. The same way that if you or I were walking down a dark alley at night and someone was following us, the hairs on the back of our neck would go up and we would, in that instant, it would go directly. Our brain would, our whole behavior would be driven by our lizard brain that I call the lizard brain, the reptilian brain that all animals have. And it would tell us, in an instant, it wouldn't even think about it to either fight, flight, you know, fight, flight, freeze, fight, run, uh, or, or, or maybe even faint, you know, if we're overwhelmed. Mm. And so that's what our children have. The next part of the brain is the limbic system, what I call the baboon, because I think of it as this baboon. It's all about the social, you know, sort of the toddler behavior. Like, I want that bit of cake and I'm going to have it now. Again, yeah. that's survival. I need, I need food to survive. It might go and snatch a toy. Again, I want, I have. I they don't it. think, yeah. Mm. Um, so that is, and that's a social brain, the emotional brain, and it's big. The emotions are really massive and they spill over in an instant because there's no filter. And uh, your child's brain develops in this sort of hierarchy. And 
the top bit of our brain, and I'm pointing to my forehead, the sort of prefrontal cortex, which is what allows me to think, oh, no, I won't snatch um, that cake from the lady next door, you know, even though I might want it, you know, that would be rude. That part of our brain is what I call the wise owl. Mm. And that sort of overrides the other, well, it, well, it oversees the other two. It doesn't override them actually uh, all the time if we're on overwhelm. But she sits there sort of in this tree looking down at the baboon and the lizard and sort of she keeps them under control as, as such. You know, she's sort of the sensible one in, in the relationship. When I tell you that our children under five don't have a fully developed wise owl, their prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain helps us to regulate in our moments of stress. They don't have that. They, it's developing, mm. but it isn't fully developed because I don't know whether you know, do you know what age our brain finishes its true development? No, no idea. If I said in our 20s, would that surprise you? Uh, oh, I mean, yes, but if I yeah. think about it, I guess not. Yeah, yeah, it is, it's, that is crazy. So so we're expecting a sort of three, four, five-year-old to have the same regulatory process that we have. And you've just told us about dinner and losing yeah. your rag, mm. uh, you know, and you've got a fully developed brain. Mm. So how can we expect our children to regulate themselves when they literally do not have, and this is science, it's not my opinion, they do not have that capacity just yet. It's up to us to share our calm, not join their chaos. And that's when I say there's no such thing as naughty. And if we change it to because children will still have tantrums. They're still going to want to pick the sugary cereal or whatever, whatever. I want this and I want it now. So I don't talk about parenting in a way that says you're just going to let your kids paint the walls and have a free run. Mm. Our job is to help them understand and start learning those boundaries. We are the wise owl to our little children. Even We're to my children. of their head. <laughs> yeah. And that's what is helping their prefrontal cortex to develop in a way so that they can regulate. So even with my son, who's eight... Um, and we're seeing a lot of boys, sort of seven and eight, and I think the impact of lockdown as well. But even he, he'll have big spillovers sometimes. Ah, Clemens, he's just taken my favourite, blah, blah, blah. I have to sort of, I can now talk to him a lot more than when he was, but just, we'll just breathe and, and he'll calm himself down. And then I said, now use your words. Tell me again, what is it that you're so upset about? Mm -hmm. And he's able to do it, but it still takes practice. It still doesn't mean that he doesn't flip out every so often because his brain is also still developing. Mm. So rather than seeing our children and labeling them, rather if we can kind of go, I wonder what's going on for you right now. What's going on that I can help you with? What I can wise out it? How can I help that little brain calm down and that lizard and baboon stop doing backflips and just literally come back into the body and actually use my words instead? to yeah. say, mommy, I'm really upset because, and sometimes it's just because they're hungry. Sometimes it's because they're frightened, very often because they're frightened. Yeah. Something's happened. I talk about Wilbur going off to wild nursery and coming out and having this massive hissy fit over the fact that I brought him an apple and not an orange. But actually, as I explained, it wasn't about that. Something had happened at nursery. He'd been hit that day. Now, if I'd have like dragged him and you're right, you're so naughty. How rude. I've just, do not know how busy I am. And I just <laughs> grabbed the apple and da, 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 da. You know, if I go into baboon mode, that doesn't help either of us. But if I can yeah. get down and be calm and think, right, what is going on for him right now? He's not normally like this. Something must have happened. And say, hey, you know, are you okay? 
Yeah. You know, what's up? I think that's so funny when you say about the, you know, I bought him an apple instead of an orange or, um, because I find it fascinating how when you've got children, you're, your actions, and it could be something so small, and I'll give you an example in a minute of something that happened at the weekend, and it can change the whole dynamic of a day. The I think we must have been at the, must have been at the weekend. We were going out and Axel, my son, had a hat on. And I think my hair was a little bit greasy. So I picked up a hat and then I suddenly saw my daughter's face and she just crumbled, threw herself on the floor, screaming and crying. And I was suddenly like, oh God, what happened? <gasps> Where is my hat? You're all wearing hats and I haven't got one. And I was like, Oh my God, we're literally just about to walk out the door. We're all ready to go. I don't know where her hat is. I've got no idea. And I was going, oh, Gigi, I don't know, darling. I'm, I'm not sure where your hat is. Um, Should we just go? No, no, I've got one to hat. And then Axel's thinking, oh God. So he's going to look for a hat. And I'm thinking, right, are we pandering to her here by all scurrying around looking for a hat? What are we doing? Or are we doing the right thing? I'm not sure. And I re- and I still don't know because I thought, Jesus, like she just, she can just switch on us and we all go running off to, you know, <laughs> to, 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 to kind of make her, make her stop. Oh no, you know, like stop, stop, stop. And I'm thinking, we, this has all happened over me making the decision to put a hat on my head. That was it. As you reflect on that now, because that's a great example. As you reflect on that now, if we think about it from her perspective, yeah. so we talked about sibling rivalry. If you're the if if you if you're the mummy lioness and you've got your cubs, right? And uh, and if a if a mean old lion comes into camp, your cubs are going to look to you and think, "Who's mummy going to pick up first, right? So this sibling rivalry goes very very deep. Who, if something happens, if a lion walked into your bedroom as I'm talking to you right now, and your two children were there. Immediately, that survival instinct, who's mummy going to grab first? Who, And it translates, who does she love more? And that is so fundamental for our children. And so you suddenly, that dynamic, as you say, and you saw it, your son puts on the hat, you put on the hat, suddenly she's on the outside. So they feel this othering of like, I'm not part of the gang. And if I'm not part, and this is what their brains do, it's not them thinking this, yeah. it's, it's unconscious, it's that baboon going, oh my God, if I'm if I'm out of the pack, I'm going to get eaten first. It's a <laughs> visceral sense. And I'm saying it as if they're thinking it, they're not cognitive because they don't have that big part of their brain, that wiser, they literally don't have the ability to think like we do. So we can see that it's a hat and there's another hat and I just put it on because I just put my... They don't see it like that. It's so They're so much more simple than that. And it is purely about, am I part of this gang? Am I part of this family? Because if I'm not, I'm going to be the one that gets swiped if something bad happens. They couldn't, she couldn't describe that to you in words, but that is what is going on. That's why it's so devastating mm. to be left out. As she saw it, she was left out. Mm. So you're not pandering. I love that you all went to look for the hat for yeah. her. You're not pan, you know, and I think this thing of, oh, we're spoiling them. They're too young to be spoiled. Their mm. only their only thought right now is, does mummy and daddy, do they love me? Do they love me enough that I'm not going to die? Am I not going to be left outside in the rain and the cold? It's That's all their brain is bothered about, survival. Mm. And that connection with you and 
in that moment, why would we deny them that? Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think it's difficult though in those moments, isn't it? Because I think you have these voices in your head like, oh my God, you're creating a monster. Like you're literally creating a monster. You'll do it. You're like pandering to her you're you're basically like letting her rule the roost yeah. but then and where does you... that voice come from that's what so where does that mm, voice come from i might probably like family members or you know like yeah. generate i mean the thing is my parents I don't think my dad knows how to say no. Like I, I, I actually don't think he knows how to say no. But I think because he's always been like that, everyone around has always gone. You just let her get away with murder. She can do whatever she wants. This and this and this and this. And then I remember that from when I was younger. And so I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't do that with mine because that's what my dad did with me. He never said no. He pandered to me. But actually, it's not like it's a natural thing, isn't it? You, you kind of want to give them what they want, and you, uh, and you want to. But you have this voice in, in your head thinking, oh, gosh, but is she going to be a monster? Because we're all rallying around letting her get away with murder. And how did it feel when your dad used to say yes? Oh, my God, amazing. Still says yes now. My kids, my kids love it. <laughs> and, and your relationship with your dad is good? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah my mum. Yeah, no, no, like really good. So there we go. So the mm. worry, the mm. worry of kind of like, oh, what if I'm creating a monster? Well, you're not a monster. Mm. You're a really lovely person who's mm-hmm. really loving and kind. And because mm. you had that example set to you by your dad, but because of that, and it was a generational, the old, what I call the old school was, yeah. oh, you know, you spare the rod, spoil the child and everything. But again, that's a really lovely example of like, mm. your dad was lovely and did it right. You, amazing. It was great when my dad did that. Mm. So what do we want our children to feel with us? Do we want them to feel amazing? My mummy loves me so much that she, you know, I mean, I think I said the biggest compliment my kids gave me once was our mummy never says no. And of course I do say no, <laughs> but I just do it in a way that, you know, as they in, don't realize, they don't realize, you know, I put boundaries like if they want to go and paint the walls it's kind of like well we can't do that but we are going to go and paint on the paper you know we can do this so we turn things around and sometimes you know you'd have to run out of the house without the hat on and then we have to manage that and boundary it but in that moment I always say look you know pick your battles right do not worry about spoiling your children especially when they're very very young the biggest thing you can do for them is ensure that connection with you those memories that they build up with you is that mummy loves me enough to go and get my hat for me because I told her how important it was Mm. and she listened yeah so well done you basically yeah (laughs) no it's it's just it's interesting though because on another day I might have reacted completely different to that and gone like absolutely not I'm not getting the hat because you tell me to I'm the boss I'm the adult yeah. um but on that day we we were all, I think we we're just scared actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> we came down, it came down to fear um we and my son we look at each other sometimes like oh no what's gonna happen here thank I mean we've been talking for ages and I've just looked at the time um but thank you that was such a wonderful conversation and I mean I've learned so much so I hope everyone listening has as well um thank you would love you to come on again <laughs> oh i'd love to it's been it's such a pleasure it's so lovely to see you in in the flesh as it were and um, yeah thanks very much just for a yeah lovely conversation i've really enjoyed it thank you oh, what a brilliant listen well done george i, I loved thank what you. you said at the beginning as well about how it kind of 
flipped on its head slightly and, and you you were the one that was in the hot seat. But I loved how she, you know, she was kind of asking all the right questions to you, making you really think about things. Um, yeah. She really knows her stuff, doesn't she? Yeah, exactly. And also just like, you know, I was sort of asking her tips on, you know, parenting and stuff like that. And then she yeah. was kind of putting me in the hot seat, like, well, tell me something that's come up with you recently. And then how, how as a child psychologist, she would actually work through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's lots of stuff that... I've, you know, I've been thinking about since. So I don't know if you felt like this. And we have referred to our newborns, like especially the first time around, as like basically strangers in our house before. Yeah. But also like what impact that has on how you parent them. Because I feel like with Axel, when I first met him, <laughs> he was just like a baby like and a, st- a stranger. Like I didn't know him. Like he was just kind of there and I had to care for him and stuff. But it felt quite like... I will do, you know, I need to feed and I need to do this and he needs to sleep. But I don't know him. Yeah, but I don't know him. Whereas when Gigi came along, I think you kind of look at them like, oh my God, one day you are going to be a person. Like Mm. that whole thing. And I think it, it made, I don't know, for me anyway my choices around how I parented her were so different and also probably mm. listened to my gut more than I did the first time round. the first time I just would listen to everybody else like oh okay I'm supposed to do this I'm supposed to yeah. do that even if it didn't feel right whereas the second time I said you know I don't know about you but I sort of felt like no I think I know what I'm doing like I yeah think it's I'll very different it's very yeah. very very different and that's you know that's the conversation that you that you know people have in their households across the world is that the first and the second child you parent them in very 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 different ways I think I was a lot harder on Luna um I think I was a lot sort of maybe a bit stricter on her yeah with Kit I'm just a bit of a, a like a bowl bowl of mush like I just <laughs> kind of whatever the prince wants the prince gets but maybe maybe if I really analyze the psychology behind it it is yeah. because because like you said you know the first time round you just have got no idea it is just this baby that suddenly you're supposed to love with every single inch of you and I don't know if you actually feel that way yeah I don't know obviously now you do yeah but I I think when it's more like when they become I don't know a person or you start to see their character or you start to I don't know I think yeah it's very different and it was just really interesting to hear the actual psychology behind that and why we behave like that and also why the what the kids actually mean when they're having a tantrum Mm. yeah that was fascinating yeah it's never about giving them a blue plate instead of a green one you know what I mean it's never about that it's about something else that's happened there are so many there are so many periods in my life where I look back on my on my parenting history in those environments and those situations I've ha- I'd handled it differently I wish I'd handled it differently you know that, you? That, yes because now you know now when Kit really because he's sort of coming out of it you know he's going to be five in April but we still have the odd occasion now I just I just hug him and I just say I'm here and I love you and uh, you know I'm sorry and you know it's going to be okay type thing whereas yeah. before I was really like you know I didn't understand it it felt like such it's, it was so abrasive on me and I found yeah. it really hard to keep my head in those situations when Luna was exploding. I, it, it was awful. I mean, we were, we'd be up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning while she would be fucking screaming her head off in the next door room and it, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. Whereas now I think I could handle it a lot better. Yeah, I mean, mm, hindsight. Mr. Hindsight is a wonderful Miss, Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, no, anyway, it, it was really interesting and mm. a nice, you know, a, a bit of a change. Yeah, um, and really nice to hear Tuesdays. Yeah. In that space. 
absolutely yeah Loved well done it. George Love that thank you um, and thank you so much for listening as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please if you do get the chance to give the podcast a little follow that would really help us as well yeah and of course like any guests you'd like to hear from you know we're going to be planning for next year now so please do send over your suggestions we're going to be working through them and also like topics that you'd like us to cover anything that's coming up in your house at the moment um, that you'd like to hear more about then please do drop us a DM we're on at Made by Mamas on Instagram and we'll be back on Friday Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason Insanity Group Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.